0: Right. Hello. 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 Welcome to episode 42 of Frithcast. 42. 42. 42. So, as promised last episode, we would like to start with meditations. The meditations of the Emperor Marcus Aurelius
1: Antoninus. They're very simple. Indeed. Who says, book one, from my grandfather Verus, I learned to relish the beauty of manners and to restrain all anger. From the fame and character of my father, obtained modesty and a manly deportment. Of course, I know all about that. I didn't like to say. Of my mother, I learned to be religious and liberal. And to guard, not only against evil actions, but even against any evil intentions entering my thoughts.
0: Oh, we're doomed.
1: We are. (laughs) To content myself with a spare diet. (sighs) Far different from the fof... the fof... the fofness, fofness, fofness...
0: Start that word again.
1: I don't know what the word is. It's got an F Hang in on it. A it's got it's lots got of F's. F. Fof- F-, F-, F- soft... oh! Softness! And luxury, so common among the wealthy. Of my great-grandfather, not to frequent public schools and auditories, but to have good and able teachers at home, and for things of this nature to account no expense too great is easy to say if you're the emperor.
0: Yeah, it's kind of
1: Although he was a good emperor and lived in a cardboard box. He shunned the trappings and the and the frilleries. The frilleries? The frilleries. (laughs) frilleries. Of the imperial what's it and lived in a cardboard box. Might not have been a cardboard box as such, but it was kind of the Roman equivalent of a cardboard box. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How How about we do a Frith cast instead? Oh, I thought we were concentrating on Romans this week. For the next 17 episodes? Yeah, I think Mm. we decided we could do meditations in 17 episodes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't see a problem with that. I do, I've seen how long it blooming is. Fine. 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 We'll do do Vikings then instead. Okay. What do you want to talk about about Vikings?
0: Well, I first thought we'd say welcome to Frithcast 42 and play some theme music. Welcome to Frithcast 42. Here's some theme music. Now. Welcome to episode forty-two of Frithcast. Hello. I'm Suzanne Martin,
1: and I'm Kate of the same ilk, um, generally uh, described as the coffee-powered druid. Coffee-powered druid. i um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: very coffee-powered this afternoon. I have no real excuse for being involved in this apart from I live here. It's a pretty good reason, you know, you know.
0: As, as reasons go. Yeah. I like to I like to help. Yeah. I like Do to help help a bit more than that, you
1: know. The... It's pretty good, you know. Get in the way, whatever.
0: Welcome around the virtual campfire, which is budge definitely up. not our kitchen. Budge up, budge everybody. Up. Budge up, budge in. Hello to the lovely new listeners at the back. Hello to the regular listeners who've got a little bit closer over the last forty-one episodes, and I've oh, had oh. to go very close oh, to episode forty-two. I oh. know.
1: Don't mind a little bit of closeness steady, here, now. Okay, steady. Enough. I know
0: my limits. So do I.
1: <laughs> You'll have to excuse me. I've got
0: coffee. I can tell you've got coffee. Okay, so So, I thought we'd have a chat about, given our 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 depth of seriousness and and deep profundity. Those we definitely had profundity and abundance. Abundance. Yes. (laughs) Abundant, abundant, (laughs) abundance and (laughs) profundity, profundology. We had that in the last episode, profundematics, where we looked at the healing power of laughter. (laughs)
1: basically an excuse to tell rubbish jokes which
0: we did with our full enthusiasm so i thought we'd go a little bit more serious today and talk about talk about something worthwhile well (laughs) worthwhile-ish kind of if you look at old english anglo-saxon literature Mm. which i do regularly i probably don't as much as i should but i do occasionally (laughs) do If you look at that literature and you look at Old Norse literature, you'll see that they have a theme in common. They have an image, a shared image that they both use. So I thought we'd have a chat about that today and a little bit of an explore Mm -hmm. about this theme. And they both use the same theme, but they use it in slightly different ways. Okay. So the theme is one that's often used in descriptions of battles or in descriptions of conflict. And the theme has a a very lovely grand title of The Beasts of Battle. The Beasts of Battle. And it generally refers to, you'll get a collection of three beasts, three animals, well, technically two birds and one animal, being used. Is it a cow? No. Is it battle cattle? Battle cattle. It is not battle cattle. Oh. I know. We'll get to the battle cattle, don't worry. Okay. This is two birds and a beastie. Mm -hmm. That often get used in, in Old English descriptions of battles, of conflicts, um, and they also get used in the Old Norse sources as well.
1: Okay.
0: You've got a raven, an eagle, and a wolf, and they will often be mentioned as that triad. Right. They will often be mentioned all together.
1: Okay.
0: In the Old English or Anglo-Saxon works, you've got eight Old English poems, including Beowulf, which we've done, mm-hmm, we have. which we had a look at a long, long time ago,
1: fairly briefly,
0: <laughs> in about eleven minutes. <laughs> um, but they use the beasts of battle theme, so they mention those three, that sort of that triad, but they're mentioning them in the feasting on the dead after the battle,
1: yeah,
0: or they use them to foreshadow the fact that there's going to be. A slaughter okay it's not a battle with even a war with even sides it's going to be one side massacring the other asymmetric so they, warfare asymmetric warfare totally lopsided the beasts win every time okay so they use it as a, a foreshadow to the fact that one side is going to lose horribly horribly badly mm-hmm. or they use those three as a feast for feasting on the dead they describe them as feasting on the dead after the battle has happened so they use them as a very negative image okay. a very negative connotations if you've ever theme music does it in films you'll get the ominous music so if you look at the big spielberg classic of jaws yes the theme music that that theme, theme music, music. That theme music that is still being used now, yeah, and you know what it is. Oh, you know you, it. You know you it. You know it, and it's used as a foreshadowing device. Yeah. So, and when you've got the shark's eye view camera, the little shark with the GoPro going on, other f- camera things are available. <laughs> Which, by the way, yeah, was a after the fact technique that they used. It was.
1: Because, because the they, they, so built, they built a model shark <laughs> and it looked so, so awfully mm. unrealistic and not frightening that they were like, well, how do we do this film without a shark? Without a shark? And mm. that was, so the, the, the shark's eye view thing. Yeah, was... so you get
0: a shark's eye view camera yep. and you combine it with that theme music. Oh yeah. And you get that little kind of prickle of fear goes down your spine. A fristle prickle of fear goes down your frisson. Yes, that's right, exactly. <laughs> it does that. Because it's You Never get a prickly frisson. <laughs> oh, no, don't get a prickly frisson. <laughs> it's not good. You can get cream. We're going to get banned. Yeah, we probably are, but it'll be fun getting there. <laughs> so, that theme music in that film... Mm-hmm. Is used to foreshadow. Yeah. It's used to foreshadow the attack. So once you hear the music the first time, and the attack happens, the next time you hear that music, you know what's going to happen. Pavlov's shark. Pavlov's shark. With his wee little GoPro, other cameras are available. <laughs> is there, isn't it? It's it's there. That association is there. That music with that action. Dash cam. Yeah. See a shark dash. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that was bad that was really bad
0: so the Anglo-Saxons are using the Beasts of Battle imagery mm. that way they're using it as either something bad is gonna happen ominous cue, ominous music Yeah. so when you see the Beasts of Battle start turning up in an Anglo-Saxon poem it's either because the battle's about to happen so it's that foreshadowing music going on yeah. or it's already happened in everybody's deed. Okay. And the beasts are there to feast on the corpses. All right. All so, three of them are known as scavenger animals. So the expectation
1: when these guys turn up, yes. these beasties, raven, eagle, wolf, yeah in Anglo-Saxon in, literature, yeah. is that things are not going to go well. No, things are not going to go well. This is sort of a... They're gonna cut us to pieces. Yes. Roast us over a fire. And eat it
0: us! us! Kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. it's that deal. It's okay. like, oh poot, we're in trouble now. Mm. It's that kind of deal. Okay. It's the same technique that filmmakers use now. Right. When they're putting in theme music, when they're using foreshadowing techniques. They're using things to, to foreshadow stuff that's going to go on later. The Anglo-Saxons are using it in their poetry and they're saying when these beasties turn up, things are not going to go well. Okay. There are eight Anglo-Saxon poems that use this specific imagery. Uh, you have uh, a poem called The Wanderer. Okay. In that a bird is described as carrying one man away and a wolf kills another one. Right. So you've got that imagery of... of those images coming into that poem so you've got that metaphor for for slaughter, that metaphor for death in there. If you look at, Beowulf has it, that's got it in uh, three lines, there's an old English poem called Judith, that has it twice, Okay. if you look at, there's an old English poem Exodus, which surprisingly for an Anglo Saxon piece of literature, deals with the Israelites fleeing the Egyptian army, the Exodus, that Exodus. Okay. But in there, the Egyptians are described in Anglo Saxon as hoary sword wolves. All right. The beasts of battle are chasing the Israelites.
1: And obviously, in where Egypt is concerned, we're, we're talking about a culture that's thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. Old, even even at the point the Anglo Saxons were knocking about. So yep. I don't imagine there's any link there with Anubis. But Nope.
0: There is uh, not a link with uh, but, with the jackal headed one. No. But given that um,
1: the Egyptians also noticed I mean alright, oh, yes, wolf jackal, I know, yeah, but yeah, yeah. but given that um the Egyptians also noticed the scavenger element there yeah. and yes. so associated their god of the dead yes. with the jackal. Yeah.
0: It's it just just it's uh, it's quite it's a strange one because all of your Anglo-Saxon ones are commonly written by Christians, mm-hmm. written by learned Christian monks. They're using this imagery and they're repeating it over copies of poems so nice. this this imagery is not just localized to one monastery where they're churning out poems and they're doing copies of them. Yeah, It's all the way across. Now bearing in mind that the Anglo-Saxons have a big storytelling, oral storytelling culture,
1: Yeah.
0: then that imagery when you're telling a story and you're telling it out loud you need to use shared cultural images and understandings to foreshadow what's going on so those images would have been in oral storytelling which means they would have been very widely understood and widely accepted widely known of that people would use them in their written work
1: yeah
0: if you look at the poem the battle of Malden. That's a little bit more of an unusual one. Okay. Um it's surprisingly for a poem called The Battle of Maldon, it's describing a battle that is held at Maldon. In Maldon. Okay. It's quite a surprise.
1: I okay. can Well, no, I mean it's, a, it's it's a good name. It's, it's concise. Kind of, it's, yeah, it's, it's,
0: it's, it's it's descriptive. It's right there. Yeah. Short. Yeah. Um thing. It's describing a battle between the Anglo-Saxons and the Vikings. But it's written from the Anglo-Saxons' point of view. Right. And it's written uh, again, with this negative connotation, the the ravens and the eagles circle the battlefield. Um, so you've got that kind of that negative influence already coming into it. Mm. But wolves aren't mentioned the ravens and eagles are yeah but the wolves, where you would expect that triad of three, you don't get the wolves mentioned in the same sentence. okay. And they don't get mentioned as as critters, as animals. They don't get mentioned anywhere in the poem. Not at all. Not at all.
1: I thought you were gonna. I, th- I thought you were gonna say that the raven and ravens and the eagles were were like the sort of preamble kind of thing. Yeah, they no, were, they've they all were got, the prelude they've all, yeah, to it, and yeah, then no, when and the, the
0: wolves came in after. No, yeah. the the wolves are referenced, but they're not. Referenced. The the poet does a very clever thing. He puts in that negative connotations of wolves on the battlefield but uses it in a compound descriptor to describe the Vikings so he calls them whale wolfas the slaughter wolves slaughter wolves and it foreshadows what happens in the battle because the Anglo-Saxons get massacred the Vikings prevail
1: and I've got to say the slaughter wolves yeah if that isn't a space marine chapter.
0: You kinda of want it written on your business card, <laughs> don't you? It's it's right there. And it's quite <clears> a <throat> sorry. A strange thing because whoever was going to lose in that fight, the wolf was the winner. Yeah. Not yeah. only in terms of as a scavenger as a beast of battle, but also in in, in that in the Battle of Malden, the wolves are the last ones standing on the battlefield. Not only as carrion scavengers but also as Vikings, because the Vikings slaughter the Anglo-Saxons. So it's a very, very clever, layered metaphor, yeah. descriptor, to say, I'm not going to put the wolves in with the two birds as, as beasts of battle, but yeah. I'm going to put them into that descriptor of the Vikings, of the attacking force. Okay. Which then holds connotations that they're, they're again, all the negative connotations to all laid, have with wolves, they're all not laid onto the Yeah, they're not yeah. human beings, they're not civilized, they don't do reason, they don't do education, they don't do anything you would expect that the Anglo-Saxons from their point of view are saying these people aren't human.
1: They're dehumanizing the enemy, which is yeah. what, which is what, what, what which is what we do. We've always we do now. We've always done that. Uh, yeah. We
0: do now. And in that one word is all of that meaning kind of all squidged up. And put in that little tiny space. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty wicked. I love
1: this. Yeah, well, I mean, wicked (laughs) apart from the whole dehumanising people thing.
0: That was a bad choice of words. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's, wicked! It's something I admire the literary craft. Is that better? That's good. Okay, that's that's all good. (laughs) Okay. Now, you've also got the imagery of wolves and birds of prey and birds Mm. together on the artifacts from Sutton Hoo. Okay. So they're associating it, Sutton who is is a, again we'll throw some links into the description, but it's a very, very big, very rich ship burial mm. that was found south of England. In there you have a shield with a, a raven on it, a big raven on the front of it. We've still got the metal fittings, we don't have the wood anymore, but they've recreated it in the British Museum. I was going to say, I think I've seen that, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. and you also have... Uh, there's images of a male figure with a wolf each side yep. so again these images of wolves and ravens and eagles in with warfare yeah. that is, carries those negative connotations carries it's, it's, those connotations of death and slaughter carrying. it's pessimistic, it's doom it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's the Jaws theme tune, yeah. it's right there yeah. but if you look at the way the Norse use it the Norse poetic Edda uses the same animals but they use them in slightly different ways. okay and they don't use them as a, 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 a portent of doom and gloom and slaughter and loss of life. the way that the Norse sources use that that same image, those three that triad,
1: yeah
0: you've got wolf, Raven, eagle yep. they use it as a positive descriptor to praise commonly praising a single warrior okay saying he fed the beasts of battle oh saying he did it really well okay the beasts like him he fed the eagle out in greece is another one i think that comes from a runestone i will look it up and try and find it greece first. oh greekland yes oh greece. that greece yes so he fed that greece, <laughs> that greece. yes that greece um, so you'll often get inscriptions or things inside Norse sources which say he fed the beasts of battle well. Okay. He was successful in battle. He did a good thing. He did a positive thing. So, the beasts are very happy with him because he went out there and was considerate enough to provide them with a meal. So whereas the Anglo-Saxons are looking at these three animals,
1: mm. do birds count as animals?
0: Yeah, well, well they're not, two birds they're and not critter. They're yeah. not vegetables <laughs> or
1: minerals, so yes, they do. So the, the the Anglo-Saxon look at these animals as, as portents of doom. Yeah, Jaws-themed um, tune. Jaws-themed tune. They are... When they show up, things are going to go bad. Yeah. The Norse think of themselves as going into battle alongside these creatures.
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Or they'll call themselves... Um, sometimes you get descriptors of people in chainmail as wolf-shirted. So they're wearing a mail coat. I've heard of this
1: because it reminds yeah. me... If I'm not leaping ahead. No, no, go ahead. Remind me what the Norse
0: is for bear shirt. Bear Mm-hmm. Or you can get wolf shirted as well. But Bear is something different. Oh, okay. This gets a little more fun when you look at... Uh, you've got those associations with this, this triad of critters. Yeah. You've also got the Raven Banner. That I've seen. Yes. Now, there's a very famous example of that on the Bay Tapestry.
1: There's an even more famous
0: one that you put on our tent at camp. I do. It's our personal raven banner. Yeah, and it's right there. So the raven banner—it looks. But we're going like to
1: talk a... about the Bay of Tapestry one. We, we are.
0: We are. Sorry, Chuck. We are.
1: <sighs> History.
0: Um, I know. So there's a very famous image of the raven banner on the Bay of Tapestry. Mm-hmm. And the understanding is that if the raven is on your banner as you fly into battle and you can see it when you're going in, you will be victorious. If you look okay. at your banner and the raven has gone, you will not be. Uh, okay. So there's a very famous there's a very famous image of it on the Bayer Tapestry. Mm-hmm. So as the two sides are meeting for battle, there's a raven banner in the in the imagery. Okay. And then later on, when the battle is lost, the banner is in that bottom um, the, the little bottom section that runs underneath the main imagery, and yeah. there's no raven on it, and it's being trampled underfoot. Okay. So it's signified, again, it's this image signifier.
1: Yeah. And so that was on the Saxon side?
0: Yeah. Okay. So again, it's this kind of very complex use of exactly the same imagery in two completely different ways. Mm-hmm. These three animals, they have associations in the Norse culture. Okay. The ravens are easier. They're Hugin and Munin, Odin's, Odin's ravens. Odin's, yeah. You also have Geri and Freki. His two wolves. Who's that? Geri and Freki. Okay. They're his two companion wolves. All right. And the eagle is the noblest of all, and Odin or Woden has associations with the eagle as the the king of all the birds. He is the king of gods. So it has that association with nobility and with lordliness. Well, yes. As a Roman. Exactly so. You can uh... can well get behind the eagle part. Yeah, absolutely. So when you look at the descriptors for Ragnarok, just before the world's, in that sort of prelude period before the big battles happen, Mm. it's called the Wolf Age, the Age of Destruction. Oof it's the point where everything starts having those negative connotations yeah if you look at the Norse law codes they describe felons as vargar wolves and the sons of felons are known as wolves get wolves children okay Um, and again at the Ragnarok you have Fenrir Mm -hmm. and his offspring Garm I guess in this episode I wanted to look at that imagery. I mean you can get a raven banner online nowadays. Mm. Um, it's quite a common imagery it looks like a viking weather vane.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but commonly now that image is printed onto a rectangular flag rather than actually being a semicircular flag design. Yeah. Some reenactment groups have seen them carrying a raven banner mm. when they go into their battles. So it's what when you look into the history of it, they are using precisely the same imagery but you're not quite sure literary literary where it comes from. Okay. That religious association of Gerry, Freki, Hugin and Moon comes after hmm. they start using it in their documentation.
1: Alright, okay.
0: So it's quite a strange thing, but it's I don't know for me it kind of neatly illustrates how they're using they they they're using exactly the same imagery but they're using it as two different things. Yeah. For the Anglo-Saxons it's the jaws theme tune. Yeah. It's the foreshadowing of oh oh it's your big kind of shrieking violins moment of ah yeah. things are about to go really really badly and you know it. Uh-huh. To the Norse, who are going yes, and this is a positive thing, and this is a point for praise, and this is they have it as like a triumphant piece of music with this lots is, of this is your 1812. 1812. This is kind of this is the whole difference, but they're using the same thing to represent these two yeah two different ways of looking at it. It's it's it's, uh, it's fascinating, isn't it? To
1: think. Yeah. I mean, culturally, you know how two two different cultures that I mean, in in, in some ways. Are very very, very, very similar. Close. I mean, very you've got linked, yeah. you know you've got. I mean, uh, obviously you've got the religious syncretism of having, you know, essentially the same gods, but mm, perhaps recognised slightly, slightly differently yeah. with slightly different names yeah. and so forth. But yeah. but by and large, their cosmology is fairly parallel. Um, but in this, and yet you've got you've you've almost got. A, a, you know, in in, ter- the, in terms of they have these matching symbols, but but very different sort of...
0: Cultural understandings yeah, of them, yeah. yeah. Very different ways that they use them in the literature. Mm. So I figure that's probably all we've got time to have a look at today. We'll throw some links into the description as we usually do. Indeed. Thank and... you very much for sitting with us. Yeah. And talking through episode 42 of Frithcast. Beasts of battle. Beasts of battle. Yeah, with our shark GoPros.
1: I think <laughs> we did
0: quite 12.
1: I think we did quite well. Yeah, to be honest.
0: Okay.
1: The fact that bear in mind we're recording this September 2018 yeah. mm-hmm. and we've neither of us sung that bloody song.
0: No, I'm not singing that
1: song <laughs> while well, we've been talking about sharks. I'm not doing it. it ain't going to happen. I'm not doing it.
0: Nope. Nope, nope,
1: nope. But nope. I think we did quite well and we deserve we deserve like awards and things. <laughs>
0: Shall we have a cup of coffee instead? Let's do that. Okay. We can do that. Lovely listeners, thank you for being with us today. If you'd like to find us online, yeah, you know where to go. But just in case you're a lovely new (laughs) shiny listener and you're not really sure, I'm Suzanne Martin. You can find me on Facebook under Suzanne Martin or you can find me on Twitter.
1: And if you want to find me for any reason, um, like say you were looking for Suzanne but you can't find her, so you want to find me instead? Um, I mean, I can pass messages on. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm actually fairly rubbish at social media. But if you just go to my website at glassrain.net. Um, that's glass as in winter, rain as in weather. All one word. Yeah. Dot
0: net. And uh, you can get in touch with me there. Fab. So we will talk to you all next time for episode 43. Are we telling them what it's going to be about or do no, we do we not be know surprised. yet? Cuz and, I... and I don't know yet. But I'm
1: working on it. <laughs> I'm sorry, shut up. I... I should be I should be keeping it um uh, I should be keeping to the end. No, of course we know. We've planned this for like No, it's years. what's that
0: word? Embargoed. It's embargoed. Embargoed. Yep, that's right. I can't even spell it, but it's that. That's
1: right. It's like a like a like a computer game launch. Yeah. You can't write reviews of it until mm, No,
0: not yet. Wait for it. Definitely. Wait for it. Lovely listeners, we will talk to you all again in episode 43, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye.